All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Versatility Podcast. And I'm your host, Jewels, and this is episode 10. So, hooray! Yeah, so we made it. We we made it episode 10. I got a long way to go, but this is only the beginning. So, you know, we're prepared for that. I want to thank everybody that has been tuning in so far. Uh, no matter if I get five plays or a hundred plays, I'm just grateful that you guys are listening to me and that you took the time to help me and uh, encourage me and follow me along this journey. Um, so no guests today. Uh, it's just your good old friendly pal, Julian Jewels. And yeah, so let's get started. So for the news today, today, I'm pretty sure mostly everybody has heard of this by now, but uh, last week, there was a shooting in Atlanta where two massage um, places were shot at uh, by a white man uh, about things mid to late 20s. And most of the people that were injured, uh, they said eight are dead and <laughs> eight are dead and six of them were Asians, um, which is just sad to see right now. Um, ever since the pandemic, I feel like hate crimes and things of that nature have gone up. Actually, it's not even a feel thing. Um, hate crimes have drastically gone up since the pandemic and especially towards Asian people. Since March of 2020, there have been 3,800 hate crimes towards Asians. 3,800 in the year prior there there was not that many at all and it's really a sickening thing to just even think about and most of these these Asian hate crimes are brought on because of well March the coronavirus and the misinformation that was brought out especially from our former president who I shall not name because I there's, there's no reason to name him but it's this is a constant thing that's been going on in this country and hate doesn't just go away hate simmers hate just stays dormant and lies and wait until it rises and boils to where it's seen by everybody just because we don't see hate every day does not mean it's not present every day and that's the issue people think that since it hasn't since hate hasn't shown up in the news in the last few months or maybe a year or something like that, that it's just gone. No, people deal with it every single day. Microaggressions are a real thing. And for those of you who don't know what microaggressions are, microaggressions are basically, they're not big forms of like hate and discrimination and like, um, or like disses or like attacking character and things. That, it's just like little things like, Let's say for me, they said, oh, you talk very well for a black person. That's a microaggression. Or um, let's see. Um, let's say, oh, man, that kid runs, runs really fast like a jet. Hold on. No, that's not a good example. Um, or like you read really well. Wow, I'm surprised you read very well uh, to be black. Like that's a microaggression or like you're Asian or, or somebody says to an Asian person, um, 
wow, you're not good at math? Like that, those are microaggressions. I mean, and anybody can handle microaggressions, whether they're racially charged or, or if they're not, but microaggressions, things of that nature, those things build up and build up and build up until it blows up. And things like that are just, just the ridiculous things that we have to deal with, especially in this country, but in other countries across the world as well. This is this has been going on forever, whether that's slavery or the Holocaust and just so many other concentration camps, so many other things. And another, and to touch on another topic is I can't stand, I saw something on Twitter the other day and someone said slavery was worse than the Holocaust. Why, 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 why did you feel the need to say that? I mean, yeah, it's a tweet. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. I get it. You know, you blow up off of it. I, I mean, I saw it on my for um, I said for you page. That's TikTok, but I saw it on my you know regular uh, Twitter page, and you know clearly he got the likes and all that stuff for it. But it's like, what was the point in saying that? Wrong is wrong. We should not have to compare wrong and wrong. Those are two very just wrong things that happened. That should never happen in the first place. And both were spurred on by hate, by thinking you or thinking that one race was more superior than the other. Um, if we want to get deep into slavery, um, Black people, actually, we, um, not Black people, Africans, we allowed part of that to happen as well. Now, white people, they did take it to the next level and then kept doing it over and over again until they basically enslaved <laughs> half more than half of the continent of Africa but <laughs> overall hate is hate and what's wrong is wrong and the bottom line is some of these things just should not be happening at all and when it comes to Asian hate crimes right now everybody should be sticking up for them just like how they stuck up for us in the Black Lives Matter movement there's no difference here yeah it's two different races and, may, and yeah Asians uh, can be um, discriminatory towards black people, but black people can be discriminatory towards Asians, but that doesn't matter because again, wrong is wrong and we need to stick up for each other because A, if two minorities, as they would call it, stick up, stick up together, stick up for each other, then we can create the change that we want to see for both of us. Because Ah, dang, it was something in this in this the Holocaust Museum. Somebody said there was this one guy who lived during the Holocaust era. He wasn't he wasn't um Jewish or anything like that, but he basically said when the Jewish were started to be uh prosecuted and uh persecuted and uh you know done wrong against that he didn't say anything. And then as it kept ramping up and ramping up, he continued to not say anything until he, he was a Catholic minister, if I'm not mistaken, but, and then he ended up being, um, he ended up being locked up and put in concentration camps as well. And he basically said, like, I didn't stick up for them, but then by the time that I was locked up, there was nobody to stick up for me. Injustice everywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, hope, I, hope I said that correctly, but that's from Dr. Martin Luther King. And that's very true. And the more we try to shy away 
from what's right and what we know is right because it's not like we don't know that is not right no we've been through enough and we've seen enough today in the news and in our daily lives and from our friends experiences our family's experiences that we know was right and we know was wrong it's just a matter of who's going to step up to change that because it doesn't take it takes one person to spark a movement, but you need people to follow that one person to create a group, to create an organization, to create a following, to create the change that we want to see. It takes a people. It takes a lot of people to make the change that we want to see. And these Asian hate crimes, these black crimes, the uh, hate crimes, these Latino hate crimes, things of that nature, just, just all these minorities that are being hit hardest and things of that nature, that just it needs to stop and we have to come together no matter what our backgrounds are to make the change that we want to see and yeah that's and yeah that's basically where my stance is and who who cares who cares about our skin color and things that nation when it's time to step up because again wrong is wrong and right is right and you should be able to make that decision fairly quickly on who to help and who not to help. It's not a hard thing to do. All right, but now let's get into some other uh, discussions. I haven't talked about basketball in a while, but today I'm going to get into some basketball. I love basketball. For those who know me, I watch the NBA like what? Every day, I actually have a fantasy basketball league as well that I participate in with my friends. Actually, I'm in two of those, one with my little brother and his friends, and then one uh, with my friends. I actually have my little brother in that one as well. But that's besides the point. But first topic of the day, for those of you who do not pay attention to the NBA, it's trade season. The trade deadline is Thursday. And I, for one, I love the trade season because this is the time when teams – make a whole bunch of different trades and, and try to like, or like not even make the trade, but just they start, these rumors start coming up and you're like, Ooh, that, that person, that player, if he trades for them, they'd be championship. They'd be better championship contenders or that, or these trades and, or buyouts. And for those of you who don't know what a buyout is, a buyout is when let's say LeBron James, right? Let's say LeBron James just wasn't, um just what no let's say lebron james and on that lakers team this is hypothetical of course but let's say lebron james on that lakers team just that lakers team just ended up being really bad and he was stuck on a contract that was like had three four years left on it or had a few just a few years left on it right he doesn't want to be a part of that team but he's such great of a player that he's not going to be able to get a good trade for or he was, or let's say he's older and he won't be able to get a good trade offer for him because his value and his contract is high and people just wouldn't have the salaries to match. So what they would do would was, is what they would do is rework um, a buyout part of his contract. So they would give him like some money and then take away some of that money as well to try to work out a way for them to get out of that contract. So he still be able to keep some money. The organization gets to have a open up a roster spot and be able to keep some of that money from that contract since he is terminating the contract essentially. So they give him that money and then he's able to go wherever he wants to go. And this is really good for veteran players um, because they're on a rebuilding team. So 
they're like, okay, I don't want to be on this team. I'm older. I want to chase a championship or be on a playoff contending team um, because I'm too old for this. Like, what? Well, what's the point of me playing on a team that's not going to go anywhere? It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense for them to do that. So, what? again, what they'll do is they'll buy out and then they'll try to go to a bigger championship team. They go on a lesser contract since, you know, they just got paid out on an they just got part of their contract still from the team they were just with. So they would still go to another team, uh, take less money. So then they could try to win a ring. And that's, you know, and that, that could really help a lot of different teams out because if you're a championship contender and you see all these other championship contending teams try to make moves to become better. Um, it's only right that you would do that. And it's only right that you would do that. Hold up. I'll be right back. Let me pause this. All right, and we're we're back. <laughs> My bad I had to go check something real quick. But so let's get into the first thing I was going to talk about. So for those of you who don't know, um, Aaron Gordon just requested a trade from the Magic yesterday. Today it's uh, March twenty second of twenty twenty one. In case you're watching this like a year later or something like that, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so he just requested a trade yesterday, and that's actually a pretty vital piece that people could use. I don't know what his trade value exactly is because he's kind of one of those potential all-stars in the future, um, but needs a little more time, probably maybe in the right coaching situation to really blossom. He's a really good player. Uh, he can hit some post moves, stuff like that. He's got a, he's got a bit of an all around game. I heard he played a little point forward for a little bit this past season. Like he can, he can really go off every now and then, but he's not like a first option. He's like a third, fourth option, maybe second option on like a kind of a borderline playoff team, but definitely like a third, fourth option on a championship team. I think some teams that probably be willing to trade for him, Portland Trailblazers, I heard something about that a bit. I say he can potentially go to someone like... I don't know. He's just such a weird player to trade. I'm pretty sure he's making like 18, 20 million a year right now. So not exactly most contending teams can pay for him unless they're giving up some vital people on their championship teams as well. Uh, it's it's kind of tough to decide, but he definitely does not need to be on the magic anymore. The magic don't know what the heck they're doing. Well, I wouldn't say they don't know what the heck they're doing, but they have so many injuries and they've been so mediocre just for so long. Like they make it to the playoffs just to get beaten five games. Now it's a competitive five games, but it's like, what's the point? Where, like, where are you headed towards? Are you fine with just being mediocre for the rest of your lives? I mean, the rest, like for the next 10 years or so, it's like they have another team on their, they have Vucevic on the team as well. And it's just like, well, Vucevic is 30 years old. Now, Vucevic said that he's okay with just being on this team that's injury-ridden, clearly not really going many places, but it's promising to see in the next few years if they develop their young guys correctly. But it's like, I'm just confused as to why he just doesn't want out. I mean, I guess he's from overseas, so, like, a lot of overseas players, they do love to stay on their teams and really show that loyalty, which is cool, which is cool. Um, but... I feel like he'd be a really help, really good help on a lot of other championship contending teams of that nature. Um, like Vucevic, he'd be he'd be good for my bucks. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> if we traded like Brook Lopez, Dante Divincenzo, maybe Jordan Noir and a few picks for Vucevic, and maybe like what Terrence Ross or maybe one of the other 
weaker players. I would love to have Mobama on the Bucks as well. He's a big guy who can shoot threes, protect the rim, really long and lanky. And the Bucks love long and lanky players. That'd be really nice as well. But, you know, we'll take what we can get. But Vucevic would really just be good. He's just a really good player. Like, I think it was Eric Spolstra who compared him to uh, Dirk Nowitzki. You know, Eric Spolstra, he's a great coach. So if he's get, if he's comparing you to Dirk Nowitzki, that means that means you got game, all right? <laughs> like, that means you got game. So Vucevic would just be so nice to so many teams. The Warriors, that's another team that's popping up in my head. But – I don't know. The Magic, the Magic got some stuff to do. They need to make sure they don't overvalue their players in these trade talks. They, they have a lot of like borderline all-star, like really good role player type guys who like you, you're not going to get a whole bunch for, but you may be able to get like some picks and things to build for the future. And, but you need to make that decision. Are you going to go in a full rebuild? Or are you going to continue to be mediocre? Or are you trying to just kind of do both and kind of just compete in, in between? They, they got to figure that out for themselves. But one of the bigger things that I did want to talk about is P.J. Tucker to the Bucks. My Bucks traded D.J. Wilson, D.J. Augustine, and uh, one of our picks for P.J. Tucker and our 2022 first-round picks. And we moved a couple spots down in the 2021 uh, draft from the first round, the end of the first round to, like, the beginning of the uh, second round. Of 2021 this is a great trade for my bucks uh dj augustine um <laughs> i kind of feel sorry for him uh but he was actually starting to just he was starting to get better uh the more he the more he kind of played he was kind of starting to fit his role but towards the beginning he was playing like crap i mean i can't i can't lie he's he's, he's playing like shit all right like <laughs> let's just be honest he's playing like shit um and you know DJ Wilson wasn't getting enough playoff, uh, wasn't getting enough playing time on our team. Mike Budenholzer really just does not like younger players like that, or at least he won't give them the opportunity. Like Mans will give Pat Connaughton, who's you know just a decent role player who does what you need him to do. Yeah, you would wish that he would hit some more threes and some shots every now and then. He only averages like five points a game, and he but he'll play him like thirty minutes. And then give people with really promising skills and potential like Jordan Noir or DJ Wilson and Dante DiVincenzo at first, he wouldn't give them any time. Um, Dante DiVincenzo proved his worth in the playoffs and towards the end of the season last year. So that's why he got more time this year. And that's why he's our starting shooting guard, which I'm glad he's getting the time. But again, Dante DiVincenzo is still another one of those players that's like kind of inconsistent. He's been playing really good as, as of late. He's been averaging like 10 points a game. Um about 40, 50% from the field, something like that. Uh, like a few rebounds. I got to look, look at the stats again. Sorry for not having the stats on hand at the moment. But he's been playing pretty good. But P.J. Tucker on this team is very vital um, because he gives us that solid player that we know we're going to get from him. We're going to get corner threes, hopefully, so have a shot together. Still has his shot together, which is very essential for him to have that shot. We need him to make sure he's hitting them corner threes and things of that nature but we know what we know we're getting toughness out of him we're getting we're getting somebody who's six five but can guard centers in a small ball lineup or guard power forwards in the small ball lineup he can play the small forward the power forward position and the center position but he doesn't have to because we have Giannis Portis and Brooke Lopez so (laughs) hopefully he won't have to play small ball center like he did for the Rockies which he did a tremendous fabulous job at for being 6'5", 
And I remember definitively when he would guard Giannis in those Rockets games, he would give Giannis some trouble. And I, I saw something to where when Giannis first saw P.J. Tucker, he was like, oh, I ain't got to deal with you anymore. Peter Tucker said back to him, yeah, I ain't got to deal with you anymore. And then they laughed and stuff like that. So I thought that was that was really interesting. That was cool. So, I mean, that's just game, recognized game right there. He's not a great offensive player. P.J. Tucker is not a great offensive player, but he's impactful. And he may average, what, three, four points a game, but his impact goes way beyond that. Again, he's getting scrap. He's scrappy. He's tough. He's a big guy who can really defend against us in the Spurs game the other night. He was getting deflections. I mean, he he's uh, getting some ripoffs from DeRozan, holding DeRozan really good, getting a hand in his face, just active, big body who can he reliable. You need reliable people in the playoffs. And for Houston, he's been a very reliable person for them in the past years uh, in the James Harden era. And yeah, I'm glad I'm grateful to have them. I'd say the Bucks, they do need to make a few more moves. I saw something, uh, I saw a, a clip from first take of Stephen A saying, now that we have like PJ Tucker, that Giannis has more than enough uh, to win a championship. The pressure is on him right after the Nets, especially like he should win if he's that dude. I'm like, okay, so let's, let, you know, let, let's, let's look at the Eastern Conference, right? So you got three teams, right? I mean, let's just be honest. There's three teams in the East that you're looking at. Well, four, if you count Miami, I still got to wait to see what happens a bit. They they were surging. Jimmy Butler looked like an MVP candidate. He was at, I'm pretty sure he was close to averaging some, somewhere near a triple-double in like a good uh, five-game stretch or something like that. But he was averaging like 27 points per game, like almost nine assists and like seven rebounds. I don't know. It was, it was something crazy. He was balling out as soon as he finally uh, became uninjured. Uh, but it's the main three in the in the East are the Sixers, the Nets, of course, who continue to to load up, and it's just like dang man. And then the Bucks, the Bucks by far have the worst supporting. Ugh, no, well, okay. Besides Giannis, they have the worst supporting cast, but it's still a really good supporting cast. Sixers. They're probably the most well-balanced out of all the top East contenders because you got Embiid, you got Simmons, you got a whole bunch of shooters around them and other people who can handle the ball and get their own buckets like Shake Milton, Seth Curry. They got a backup center in Dwight Howard who just energy guy who can do a whole bunch of different things for you, block shots, play good interior defense, really good stuff like that. Danny Green hitting shots. Uh, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, I hope I said his name right. But you just, they just have a really well-balanced team. And then they have a great coach as well, who you know what you're getting from Doc Rivers because he's turned Joel Embiid into an MVP candidate because he did what Brett Brown could not figure out what to do. Put him in a post. Put him in a paint. Let him go to work. He's one of the best centers in the game. Probably the best center, him and Jokic, is between those two. And it's like, why are you letting him shoot threes? I understand you want to provide spacing, but... Uh, would you rather have Ben Simmons just dishing out stuff and that's it? Or would you rather have, I mean, and have Joel and B just shooting threes? Or would you rather have Ben Simmons be partially compromised, but still you have Joel and B dominating the paint? And it's, I think it's just a no brainer that you would rather have Joel and B dominating in the paint. And yeah, Ben Simmons can't shoot threes, but if everybody else around him is shooting threes, 
then it won't matter. And that's what really matters. And they have great, they have a big two right over there. They got a big two duo. And on the Nets, they have Harden, Kyrie, KD. Let's not forget about Blake Griffin. We don't know what we're getting from Blake Griffin, but still, he's a very good piece. He can, he just had his first dunk the other day. He only had two points and like two rebounds. But it's just the fact you got Blake Griffin on your team. And the more he gets acclimated with the team, the better the team can only get. Um, and then the Bucks. Well, I mean, you got Giannis, superstar caliber, super not caliber. He's a superstar player, one of the best players in the game, top five, top five player. Um, one of the I mean, you can make an argument for top three. Uh, but then after that, you have a huge drop-off. Like, there's not even a perennial all-star on that team. It's Chris Middleton, borderline all-star. Drew Holiday can make all-star every now and then. And then a whole bunch of just really good, but then inconsistent role players like Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, what they finally doing with Brooke Lopez. Thank you, Mike Budenholzer. Oh, don't even forget it. Don't even make me mention the freaking coach again. Mike Budenholzer is still inconsistent with what he does. But Mike, uh, no, not Mike, but you have Brooke Lopez. Mike Budenholzer finally actually put him more in situations to where he can get closer to the paint, to where he made his money um, in Brooklyn, where he was a post player and, you know, unstoppable in the, in the post because he's seven feet and can hit hook shots. He can hit post fadeaways. He can get dunks and pick and roll throw him up throw him up lobs and stuff he's he's very skilled in the post but and i understand you can shoot the ball but you again just like joel and b you gotta put him in the paint i know you have Giannis, who's not the greatest shooter now if you look at this season though if you actually watch the games and because he did start off really rough and shooting towards the beginning of the year but as the years progress he's basically shooting like over 70 70 percent in the month of february i think he's shooting close to like 75 to 79 percent from the free throw line his uh three-point shooting has drastically improved like he's pulling up with confidence his mid-range and, and his post fadeaways that that back to the basket game that Giannis is developing is getting good he's hitting some jump hooks and hitting some post fadeaways and things of that things of that nature and the league should be terrified because if, if he's hitting those shots that's like kd shooting post fadeaways can't guard that that's seven feet, seven feet. And his wingspan is ridiculously long. You're not getting up to, to block that shot nine times out of 10, especially when he's already doing the turnaround. He, that's just, you're just not blocking that. <laughs> you're just not blocking that shot. And if he continues to get better, yeah, of course, he has a chance to win a championship. But back to the point that I was making, he does not have the same supporting cast that Joel Embiid, that, KD has KD has two has has an MVP caliber player, another player that his game winning shots in the freaking finals. <laughs> and and then you just you don't you, you really only that's all you need. They have they have a super team, basically. And then Joel Embiid and them, they just have two really, really perennial all stars who, you know, are all stars. You know what they're giving you on a night in night out basis. But then with Giannis, you don't know what you're getting from Chris Middleton every game. Drew Holiday is still a consistent player, but he, in my opinion, he still doesn't get the ball enough. Um, he's still working back, working stuff off from COVID. And, you know, it's to say for Stephen A, just to say that, that like everything was on him. And like when clearly he just does not have, he doesn't have a player that's on the same caliber as him on the Bucks. Whereas 
on other championship teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, even the Nuggets, because Jamal Murray, he can rise up to the point where, he, especially in the playoffs, as we've seen, he can be on the same level as Jokic and ball out because he can step up when it matters. Chris Middleton, is he going to step up when it matters? I doubt it. Is, I mean, I doubt it's going to be consistent. Drew Holiday, we have yet to be seen because I need to see it. Is he going to step up all the time when it matters? I'd hope so. But with Ben Simmons, you know you're getting you know you're getting assists. You know you're getting elite defense. Joel Embiid, you know you're what you're getting from him. Kyrie, you know he doesn't shrink up in a moment. You know KD doesn't shrink up in a moment. You know James Harden, now that he has people of his equal caliber, and even back then on the Rockets and stuff, it's not like he choked like that. It's just they just had the Warriors, because he, he literally only lost the Warriors, really. He just didn't have as much as them. And that, that's not entirely his fault. Now, he did have a couple situations to where Chris Paul got injured, stuff like that. But I'm just saying, for you to say that it's on all Giannis to just win the championship, I think that's just utterly ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, and then on to the next thing. Um, y'all see the Lonzo jersey right there. But Lonzo Ball is in trade rumors, which I understand at first why he was in trade rumors. Um, I'm a Lonzo fan, clearly. but <laughs> But... I really don't at the same time because he does fit the Pelicans very well. Me personally, I'm sick of the Pelicans. They, they piss me off. I watch a lot of the Pelicans games. I watch Pelicans games almost as much as the Bucks games because I, I love, I don't really, I love watching teams that have promise and where like every regular season game really matters for them. Whereas for my Bucks, the, the regular season doesn't matter for them as much. Well, this year it does because I'm really need to see the growth and how the new acquisitions work. But just watching the Pelicans, just they're just you could just tell they're young. They they'll have 20 point leads and they'll just blow them, or they'll have 13 point leads with a with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter and they'll just blow them. Like Dame just dropped dropped 50 on them a week ago in a game where they should have just they should have had it already. But it, but there's two major issues. One, Stan Van Gunny does not run the right plays and things of that nature and have the right lineups in late game. Why is Eric Bledsoe dribbling the ball and handling the ball? Y'all see what happens with him on the Bucks. He just, he's just not built for the moment at all. Like he's a decent regular season player, you know, maybe get an all-star now if he's really playing good, but overall, come on, he's just not, he's just not it. He's just, he's just not. And the fact that you won't give the ball to, Lonzo or Zion especially when Brandon Ingram is just not hitting shots like you have other people who can handle the ball and hit clutch shots and make plays but you only you continually just give it to Brandon Ingram and then you somehow get it to Bledsoe and he makes a dumb a dumb play and stuff like that excuse my voice crack but he makes a dumb play stuff like that so then now you're in a situation to where you throwing up clanks and the other team they're getting buckets and they're slowly coming back and then you choke the lead it's happened mo- numerous different times throughout the year, and it and it's really ridiculous because you have a point guard in Lonzo. He has 17 assists that game, that game, and his usage rate, his usage rate is only one percentage point higher than Bledsoe, and it's 10 percentage points lower than Zion and Brandon Ingram's. And he's a point guard. And he could fit on really any team because he doesn't need the ball. But it's the, it's the fact of on the Pelicans, he needs to be getting the ball more because he can run your offense. He slows down the pace. He makes sure that everybody's getting looks, that everybody's happy, that everybody's focused, playing defense, um, setting screens for each other, running the plays. But he doesn't even get the ball as much. 
And then he did the one thing that main, m- most people had against him. He's hitting the three ball at almost 40%, a clip. And it's like, I understand you want him to catch a shoot because other people aren't as good as catch a shooting as him, but you can still use him to handle the ball. And I've seen him late game be able to dance around screens with, with Steven Adams and hit these little mid ranges and floater shots, which everybody was criticizing him that he wasn't able to do that type of stuff when he first was on the Lakers. And now it's like, now that he has, Stan Van Gunny won't even give him the ball. And then on top of that, like I was saying earlier, they won't even get the ball to Zion in the late game sometimes. Like, I understand you think you can't get the ball on the inside to him. You rather have somebody that can hit mid-ranges and stuff like that. But Zion, he makes it work. I understand he doesn't need the ball, but sometimes you need to give him the ball because he'll get you a bucket, or at the very least, he'll get you to the free throw line. And he's a decent free throw shooter, at least from the things that I've seen this year. He's been able to hit his free throw shots for the most part. And I heard Robert Horry said that the that the that Lonzo on the Clippers would be a bad idea because all he can do is play make. I clearly he doesn't watch Pelicans games because I, I I just said too that he can hit three point percentage. He can I mean he can hit threes at a very high clip. He's at, he's like thirty eight to forty percent from the free throw line this year. His usage rate is extremely low. He barely gets the ball and he still ends up with assists and be able to orchestrate the offense, which is what the Clippers need because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard they can score off ball. Yes, they can have the ball in their hands, but again with Lonzo, he doesn't need the ball in his hands either. So they all can trade off from point guard. I mean, they can all trade off from yeah point guard roles and uh, positions and things of that nature, and it takes the pressure off of. Kawhi and my boy PG so then they can focus on scoring a bit more because they're the only really two main playmakers on the team I have never seen Paul George playmake this much in my entire life I see these Clippers games and Paul George has the ball in his hands literally every time he comes up the court um and then when he's out Kawhi has it or Kawhi has it more in his hands down the stretch as well because Kawhi's a better closer than PG I can admit that Paul George is still my favorite one of my favorite players but I can admit that um but just the th- just the thought that Lonzo can't fit on the Clippers was just ridiculous to me. Uh, it shows that a lot of people um, right now, um, it's even if even if um, you just look at the stats, you kind of know what you're talking about. You won't know what you're talking about unless you really look into, like you watch some games and really tell what's happening. Because that's what a lot of people make a mistake of nowadays is that they don't they don't look at the entirety of everything like stats are not everything stats are a part of the game but you really need to have the eye test i'm pointing at my eyes for people listening on audio but you really need to have the eye test you need to be able to watch games and really tell um how good of a player is because like i said earlier with pj tucker his impact is beyond just the game and to be honest i never even knew P.J. Tucker didn't average that many points, but I knew from watching the games and watching these playoff games, watching him play against these big teams, that he was extremely valuable to that Rockets team when James Harden was there. And Draymond Green, same thing with him. Now, I knew his stats were terrible, but I knew he was very essential to that Warriors team. And he still is now because whenever he's not there, that offense does not run the same. It does not run the same at all. And you see him now, he's averaging 11, 7, not averaging, but he's having games where he's got 11 assists, 17 assists, 8 assists, 12 assists, and stuff like that because of the way he orchestrates the offense, and it just lifts the burden off of Steph. 
just imagine Draymond had a better three-point shot, then it'd be much, it'd be even better for him. But yeah, so that's that's the stuff I got for the trade stuff like that. Um, also, prayers up for um, Lamelo, hurt his wrist, um, saying he's potentially out for the season, which really sucks. That really sucks. He's been balling out, man. And, and as a Lonzo fan, I love to see all the ball brothers ball out. Hopefully, Leangelo can get in the league one of these days. But you know, that's not the here or there. But um, now that Lamelo ball is out, Anthony Edwards is probably going to get Rookie of the Year. Now, what I didn't like is I saw a tweet from uh, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, D-Loading. <laughs> um, and he literally said, like, a few hours after LaMelo Ball had the wrist injury on his hand, it was like, uh, Ant for Rookie of the Year, which is Anthony Edwards. This is like, bro, you couldn't have waited, like, a few days to say that? Like, can you say prayers up for uh, LaMelo or just not say anything at all and then wait a few days and be like, yeah, do that? Because it's like you're praying on his downfall or something like that. Like, it's just like, well, there was no point for you to say that. You could have waited. Um, And, it, and they were <laughs> under the comment section on Twitter. They was like, <laughs> they said, uh, they, it was like, bro, like your PR team did not like tell you to like take that down. Bro. Like you, like you're tweaking and somebody was like, yeah, your name loading. Well, you've been loaded for the last few years. They man, it was they was getting on his cheeks, but but yeah, and then also LeBron James has a high ankle sprain, which really sucks. He does not, man, dude. He he doesn't deserve that. Um, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, never will be, never have been, <laughs> never have been, but um, I never wish injury upon anybody. Ever. That's not what we do. That's a that's just a bogus thing to do. You shouldn't be doing that at all. It's not right. And I hope LeBron James comes back. He's got a lot of miles on him. They say he's gonna be out four to six weeks. That's and AD's already out too. But then when AD comes back, I don't know how much that even helps them because without a playmaker, which they I mean they have Dennis Schroeder, but he's not. I don't know anybody on that team that's gonna actually playmake without LeBron being there. And that's where they're gonna miss people like Rondo. That Rondo is people like Rondo and Lonzo and and um, just all these playmakers in the league. Like they they matter, especially when they're out because it's like, all right, who's gonna step up and playmake? Taylor Horton Tucker is not a playmaker. Caruso is not a playmaker. Um, Dennis Schroeder is more of a he can play make, but he's not a really out orchestrate your offense type player. You know, I mean, of course, as the point guard, he has to do it a little, but he's not elite or like a really, really good one. And the Lakers can end up sliding. And hopefully that's not the case. They do have some decent players left, but it's like they're going to have to step up a lot then. I, I mean, I, I I personally hope they don't slide. Um, but then again, it would be interesting to see them play against a higher seed, a higher team, like early. That and then like when LeBron and AD come back, they can mess up a lot of people. <laughs> because let's say they end up a six seed or like a seven seed, they're going against the Clippers, the Jazz, or the Nuggets or the Suns in the first round. They're gonna be mad. <laughs> they those teams are gonna be so mad going against LeBron and AD in the first round. I'd be pissed. I I would be pissed. <laughs> I man, I'd be so pissed. 
And yeah, so that's off of NBA talk, but and you know, it's it's March Madness right now. Again, it's March 22nd, and March Madness has been insane so far. I was just watching a game before during class. I was watching, I was watching a game um right before I got on this podcast to film this. And man, upsets have been going insane. There has been there is one type of number seed. Um, that is advanced to the second round. That's crazy. The only seed that didn't make it was a 16 seed. But since, you know, in the last NCAA tournament, that a 16 seed be the one seed, I guess we could let that slide. <laughs> but a 15 seed is one, 14 seed, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Every, every seed besides 16 seed just made it to the second round. And this team, Oral Roberts, who's a 15 seed, they some ballers. They got two guys, Kevin O'Banner and Max Abmus or Abmus. They averaging, they both are averaging like 26 plus in the tournament. Kevin O'Banner is about like a four small, he's a small ball forward in the NBA, but in college, he's a he plays center basically. And he's balling out. He's bodying people. He's a big husky guy. He's averaging 29 points in the tournament right now. That's just ridiculous. And this Max Admis more Admis guy, they call him Midcourt Max. Apparently, this man is shooting from the logo, the NCAA logo, which is ridiculous for him to do in college. It reminded me a bit of Trey Young. Not as good, but still really good. He averaged 24 points in the whole season of the NCAA tournament, and he is. Um, that's the leading score in the whole NCAA um, the, for the whole year, the whole season. He's just balling out, and it's it's really good. It's really good to see like just these different players and different people on these different teams just balling out. And Oral Roberts, from what it's looking like to me, they can make a run for it because they're now in the Sweet 16, and I would not be surprised if they made a run for it because I saw uh, Kenny to Jess Smith was talking about this the other day, but they was like going against anybody. They got the two of the best. They're low key have the two best players on the court. And when you have somebody like Max Admins who can spread out the court and everything is spread out, that opens up the whole office for everybody else. Because you got to guard that. You got to guard that guy all the way out there. So then they got more movement on the inside and things of that nature, more screens, more backdoor cuts, more more space for uh, Kevin O'Banner to get his buckets. That's why he's averaging 30 plus. And when your point guard is controlling the game, again, this is what Kenny, Kenny Smith was also saying, when your point guard is able to control the pace of the game and he's able to not have any turnovers like that, and then on top of that, you got a big down there who can get down and busy down low too, that's a tough team to beat. That's a really tough team to beat. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more upsets down the road. My Wisconsin Badgers, unfortunately, lost in the second round. But they did have, they did win in the first round. But if this guy, um, dang, what was his name? Johnny Dave? No, not Johnny Davis. His name was something else. But if if if, oh, if he would just if he would have hit shots in the second game of the tournament in the second round, um, could have won. But he just could not hit any shots because in the first game he was hitting all the threes. He was hitting everything, and that's why we low key blow, blew out uh, Kenny's <laughs> Kenny DeJustin's, uh North Carolina team. But in the second round, he just couldn't hit a single shot, and we couldn't get any rhythm. Trice was balling his butt off. But, again, unique consistency. 
And when it's a tournament like this, one game decides everything. And in one game, we were on fire. But then in the next game, not so much. So that's what happens in NCAA. But, yeah. So, but, yeah, that's about all that I have for everybody today. Thanks for tuning in and everything. Be sure to follow the page for the Versatility Podcast at the.versatility.podcast on Instagram. Um, Got to make a Twitter and all that stuff for it as well. But <laughs> And make sure you follow my Instagram at Jewels underscore IS, my Twitter at Deacon Jewels. And yeah, that's all I really need to follow like that. <laughs> but I uh, hope everybody has a great rest of the day. Um, whenever you hear this, um, to God be the glory. Again, thank you all so much for sticking with me on my 10th episode of the podcast. I'm going to have even more of my friends and hopefully maybe maybe even some more uh, special guests that y'all might even know. Maybe got a little fame to them um, in, in future podcasts. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you so much. Uh, love you all. Stay safe, stay positive. Fight against hate. Don't sit by because complacency and staying silent is basically being a part of the issue. So keep moving forward. Keep grinding. Keep doing y'all things. Love y'all. Stay positive. Continue to move forward. All right. God bless. Peace.